Hello and welcome to Sideways. This week we're talking about trust, how easily we are able to destroy it and how it takes a lot more effort and time than we'd like to build it back up. Martin introduces me to the concept of knit bombing when I tell him about a crocheted post box and he also tells me about spending the night in an old people's home which seems like a good place for him. There's confusion over a famous Hollywood actor and neither of us can remember the name of the snake in Jungle Book. How to build trust. Good morning. Morning, can you hear me okay? I can, yeah. Excellent. How was the, the farmer's market? Uh, yeah, good as ever. Good as ever. Very busy though today. I'm lucky I always get there just as it opens. Uh, so there's only, there was still a queue, but there's only about five people in front of me. And when I left, there was probably about... I don't know, but the queue was about 150 strong. A queue was that's 150 right. strong? It was, yeah, incredible. I haven't seen anything like it. Yeah, the lady caught me on the coffee stool again. She caught my eyes. I was walking by, and she <laughs> held, up the, held up a bag of coffee that I normally have. And I don't really need one, but I thought, oh, I'll have to buy one. I liked her style. And I did say to her, I'm amazed you, you, you recognise the people, you know, especially with masks on. She said, no, I've just got a good memory for that sort of thing. The reason she recognises people is because you're the only person that buys coffee from her. I, I, I think I probably am because there's no one. There's no. I don't have to queue up at her store. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did buy. I did buy some tea from another store. Another store, which you? is a bit of a. Yeah, I bought some um, uh, some chai tea. It's, it's chili chai with turmeric. Nice. Now that sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, isn't uh, turmeric supposed to be a superfood? I mean, people take uh, it for all sorts of things now, don't they? No, it just sounded good. You know, like I experimented with the seaweed pate. When I'm, oh, <laughs> when I'm experimenting with a bit of chili chai with turmeric. So I'll yeah. let you know how it goes. I haven't, I haven't brewed any up yet, so I'll let you know how it goes if, you, if you're even slightly interested. Yeah, do. Especially if it yeah. makes you go, um, <laughs> sends you off on some sort of a trip. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that'd be bad, wouldn't it? <laughs> that'd be pretty much against everything I stand for. Yeah, so is that... Um... Is that chai tea? Is that uh, is that grown in uh, in Yalding or um, or Aylesford? Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's from the proper tea company, and they're based in uh, in Pet in East Sussex. Yeah, so, but I'm not, yeah. So perhaps they grow it there. <laughs> <laughs> have to go down and have a look. But it'd be will, good if yeah. you could do pick your own tea. It would be quite good, wouldn't it? Anyway, anyway, stop this 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 inane chatter. We, we need to crack on, don't we? Yeah, we do. What do you want to talk about? Well, I've got a couple of headings. I have one of those situations where I was writing my notes down and I started on one topic and sort of deviated off to the next. That's a little bit of a mishmash. But right, I'm sure that's we're quite better unlike you, isn't it? Well, it is really, but I think we'll, um, it, makes, it sort of makes sense. And I'm sure you'll be able to edit it properly to make, <laughs> to make it sound like we're, I'm meant to do it. <laughs> oh, so you're, what you're asking me to do is edit it so you sound all right. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Can you do that? Well, I do it most <clears throat> weeks, don't I? So, uh, yeah, you, you managed to somehow, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I start. Well, I started off. I was writing these notes initially on Mother's Day, yeah. Um, which was um, well, by the time this goes out, it's a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, but um, I was inspired by some of the comments on the on the Aspire to Be WhatsApp group um, about mums. I mean, some were about uh, mums that were sort of gone but not forgotten. I mean, yep. uh, we we fall into that category, don't we? We do. Um, some of the other posts on the on the WhatsApp group were about, you know, some of the girls being mums themselves, and and, and there's another particular one about how her relationship with her mum her mum had changed. 
because um, it was about, um, she's quite early in recovery and she'd been around to see her mum um, and she, her mum sniffed her drink to see if there's any alcohol in it. Oh, wow. You know, okay, so it was a, it, it's sort of a, a trust issue, really, that was coming up at that stage, which is really what the thrust I want to talk about today. So it started off as a sort of Mother's Day thing. Um, but uh, I mean, just as a side on that, I remember we had a we had a mother and son come into group together, which is very unusual. It's only ever happened once, mm-hmm. um, which was, you know, they both entered into recovery together. It, it was... Uh, not, it, it was a bit tricky for them, I think. I don't think either of them could really open up easily when, when the other one was in the group. But uh, there we go. Yeah, it's a bit of an aside. Um, but, yeah, it comes up a lot in groups about um, about these trust issues. Um, you know, it's it's happened to me. It's not just a, it's not just mums doing it, but often you no know, partners or friends will pick up your drink. And I think it's they do it fairly innocently, really, but it can have a number of implications. I, I mean, when it happened to me, and I was about five years in recovery, and I'd, I'd gone to the races, uh, to the horse horse racing. It was horse racing day, and someone tasted my drink. It was a, it was just a tonic water to see if it had any vodka in it, and and I was sort of aghast at first, but then it sort of made a joke of it, and they said, "Well, you were driving the minibus and that," and I thought oh, that's a bit cheeky, but and I, but I let it go. But um, <clears throat> I can understand that you know mostly that sort of thing it triggers anger, um, in the fact that someone's not trusting you. Um, and another thing is sometimes, you know, it obviously does come from a, a place of caring. Um, it's, it's that trust, isn't it? It's, it? It takes time to to rebuild that. And that's the sort of thrust about what I want to talk about today, if that's okay. Yeah, it does, that's it. That's, so obviously it was someone you knew quite well who did that. Yeah, yeah. It does that. You, you, say, you say they're sort of, you kind of take it for granted that that comes from a place of caring. Does that, does that come from a place of caring? It, I think it, it seems probably, seems seems to me to be a very kind of if it if it does you're probably right probably does but if it does it it's a very kind of selfish way of caring about someone isn't it? Um, yeah, I think it's 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 clumsy. I think that's all it falls <laughs> down to, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd say that is pretty clumsy. I mean, that's you said that the 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 feeling that you had was pr- predominantly anger. Um, yeah, well, it, it, it was only very fleeting, but whenever this comes up in group, which it does come up a lot, it does bring up anger. And it, it's normally those people that are early in recovery um, and are looking to rebuild trust with people. And they see this as a, uh, a point of uh, someone saying to them, well, I just, I don't trust you. Right. I'm going to, you know, I'm checking you out. Right. Uh, and I think that the other, you know, we have to come to terms with the fact that it's normally, you know, partners or, or family who have been really hurt. Yeah, uh, and, and especially if, if you know, if we've said, "Oh, I'm going to give up," and, and you, you have several goes at uh, going into recovery, and then you relapse and that sort of thing, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not unfair to think. I don't think that those people are going to have issues on that. No, it isn't unfair to think it, but there's a difference between thinking something and and acting in that way upon it, isn't there? I mean that. Uh, this is a um an echo of a conversation we had a few weeks ago about boundaries yeah it is there is there is a there's an it's important when someone is trying to rebuild trust it's important that you give them the opportunity to do so (laughs) rather than yes rather than kind of step in and need your own reassurance faster than they are able to provide it I agree, but it's quite that's quite a difficult message to deliver. I mean, they often say that addiction is a is a, is a family disease. Yeah, you know, one person one person's struggle can affect can affect everyone around them, and conflict can can ensue. Yeah. And and that's 
that's it's it's a very common aspect of recovery that that does come up um it's very few people that come along whose partners or or parents whoever it is closely involved with them will just get straight on board with it from day one especially if they've been messed about with it in the past yeah it's not Um, i don't think i don't think it's so much a question of getting on board with it from day one and i can understand that that people would take time to be able to 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 feel the rebuilding of that trust but my point really is that when trust has been breached i think everybody involved in that breach has to accept that rebuilding it is going to take time and and you can't really you can't shortcut that process you know whether it's um someone who's early in recovery or some or if there's been infidelity in a relationship or whatever it is if you have an intent to rebuild trust between you then that's the important first step and the second step is recognizing that you're going to have to do the hard yards you might not be the one doing the rebuilding but you're going to have to step back a little bit and allow the other person to demonstrate to you that they have uh changed and I, I mean, I'll ask you this question. You, 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 maybe you're going to come on to talk about it. But I wonder what impact that has on the rebuilding of trust when someone steps in and picks up your drink and drinks it just to check that you're not drinking again. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said you know that rebuilding trust will take time. And I know when we've talked about this in the past about time being a great healer, it it is, but it, not on its own. It, you've got to put some work in to, to 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 make any sort of progress within that time frame, haven't you? Yeah. And yeah I, you, 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 Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say that um, um, I think one of the things that comes up sometimes is that really you need to earn your own trust first, don't you? Work from there. So start to trust yourself um, before, again, like we've talked about that in relationships, haven't we, where you can't expect other people to love you if you don't love yourself. And I think the same's true with trust. I mean, I'm drawing that parallel just as a thought process, really. I don't know whether that's you concur with that or not. Yeah, I, I, I do agree <clears throat> with that, and that is – precisely one of the reasons why i would suggest that doing something like picking up someone's drink however early they are in recovery you are stopping them from rebuilding trust in themselves because if it's one thing for someone else to to give you a a a kind of message that says well i don't really believe that you're doing this i don't really believe you can do this i think that the dangerous thing about that is it starts to undermine potentially the recovery of the person who is in recovery because yeah. the in the worst case that person then starts to think well i wonder if i i wonder if i can do it you know you really I, i'm guessing but i imagine that the people who are most are, are of most help to you when you're early in recovery are people who believe in you aren't they yeah they are they are but i think it's uh, for me it was it was about learning sort of having healthy communication um, you know, it's a two-way street, isn't it, between you and the person you're looking to get to to to, to rebuild their trust with? Mm. Um, because in the part, you know, during active addiction, you're completely closed down. You know, you you have no communication with people other than um, other than when when necessary or if there's something you want. Um, so it's a learning process on both sides. Um, but I'm thinking, uh, you know, I think, and also I felt that sort of maintaining contact with the people that I wanted to rebuild trust with. So mm. it was like a you know, have a continuity of contact to try and alleviate the fears. So, you know, I'd have set times that I'd speak to people. So just to just to, to um, uh, sort of touch base with them so they could see how I was doing. Um, and all they would call me just to see how I was doing. And, and, and so it was a it was a it was a, 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 a slow process, but I think having this continuity was was key. And I think it well it was, I don't know if it was is the absolute key, but it helped a lot. 
but it's not just uh, when you're i think something else uh, uh is at play as well isn't there apart from just trust so yes you, you are inevitably mm-hmm. going to have to go through a period of time where you're rebuilding trust with the people around you your friends or your family or whatever but from my perspective i think you know i trust wouldn't really be the right word when I think about you and drinking, because it's not a question of trust. You know, I don't, if you started drinking again, I wouldn't feel you betrayed my trust. But what I have experienced over the years that you've been sober is, you know, there have been times where that thought about you drinking again would come into my head. So, you know, I, I might not have heard from you for a week or something. And, uh, or I'll send you a message and you don't respond, which is totally fine. But then that little thought comes into my head. I think, oh, I hope he's okay. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. mean, I do I do think like that. And, and if I know you've been going through a kind of period where things have been a little bit tough for you, I think, well, I hope he's all right. But there's a difference between me sort of thinking, I hope he's all right, and constantly checking up on you, saying, you're, yeah, right. yeah. you're not having a drink, are you? Um, yeah, because, yeah. again, that, that's not about trust. That's about That's about being able to step back and allow someone to live their own life. You know, when you think about what um, essentially recovery is, recovery is you taking responsibility for your own existence. Now, obviously, if you had a drink again after so many years over, that would be pretty disappointing, but that would have been, <laughs> that would have been you that did it. I mean, I, you know, there's nothing yeah. I would be able to do about that. It, I'd be terribly upset about it, but, it's your life yeah 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 it it's it, well exactly that but um it's um when when i was doing a bit of research upon exactly that that issue um when you're trying to rebuild trust i mean do, how how much do we allow the person we're trying to rebuild the trust with how much how much of the boundary setting do we allow them or do we set all the boundaries or is there a you know is there a middle ground because that seemed to me probably where we should try and reach when we're having this, when we're getting the dialogue going. Yeah. I mean, I suppose it's difficult, isn't it, with drinking because uh, by its very nature, well, I suppose with anything that requires a rebuilding of trust, by its very nature, a lot of it uh, hitherto had been secretive. So, you know, you would be someone who would hide your drink or, you know, uh, pretend that you hadn't been drinking. So I suppose the question about where the boundary is or, or who sets that boundary is also dependent on, the question of how do you set boundaries? You know, what are those boundaries? Uh, and, and I'm, uh, and there probably are some, but I'm kind of struggling to think of what you can do much beyond someone saying, listen, I'm in recovery now. I'm stopping. I'm not going to drink anymore. I mean, what are you going to do? Look, look at, you know, watch them all the time, check all the drawers <laughs> in their bedroom or smell all their drinks. Yeah. What, I don't know what you can do. I, I'm not, and I'm not trying to be clever. Tell me if there is something, but I'm not sure what it is. Um, I see it as um, for, for the regaining of trust can can be greatly enhanced by when, you know, for me, it was showing commitment to my recovery um, and showing commitment to a sober life. So attending regular meetings, reading about my, my condition, you know, and, and, and talking about it the whole time. And it was and talking about sobriety and the joys of sobriety. And that tends to lend people then to start trusting you that you're on the right path. Do you think... Uh, it's sort of evidence based at that point because yeah. they see you off to your meetings and you're off you're on on your on your Zoom calls and your online meetings etc and you're doing something about it and you're you're attending the local recovery hub or whatever you are up to but it's showing that commitment. Okay, so I've got two questions. 
Okay, tell, ask me both of them. Right, I will. <laughs> but I'll do them separately, otherwise you'll get confused. <laughs> I uh, will. The first yeah. question is, uh, which one do I want to ask you first? Okay, so um, that sort of demonstrative interest in your recovery, do you, yeah. do you feel or do you know that that was something that, for example, helped your children believe in your recovery? What, that I was demonstrating that I was yeah. doing something? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Totally. Okay, so that's good. Then, So then my other question is, don't you think it's also true, though, that some people in recovery will demonstrate those behaviours almost as a cover-up for, um, you know, stopping people being suspicious of them? Oh, yeah, you can, yeah. It's potentially, it's potentially something, you know, if you were of a particularly suspicious mind, <laughs> you might think, Oh yeah, you're really talking good good game here. But if anything, that's making me more suspicious. You know <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean I, it's a very good point, and I've seen it happen. I've seen people come into groups that have been in their type, been in there for a number of years, and keep going back out, lapsing, and come back in. They know exactly what to say. They yeah. know all the answers to the questions. They got all the tools um, uh, in uh, to help them in their recovery. And they just don't use them. Um, they say they've got them and understand them, but just just don't use them. So it is it is actually putting them into into place. And if and if if people do hear that you are making phone calls when you're feeling, um, you know, feeling a bit down and feeling you've got a bit of a uh, potential threat coming along to your sobriety, and you're talking to people about it, it is that you can demonstrate it that way. And certainly, the people that you're building up trust with, it's it's an honesty. Um, process as well as you say as you said earlier on you know we've been dishonest for so long and so it is going to take time for them for, for people to believe what we say but if you do show that show that you are being honest and you're um you know you're trying your very best on that then you're going to go a long way towards it it's never never going to be a hundred percent success rate obviously because you know that there's 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 too many other nuances to that and too many things in play but generally speaking Time coming going back to that point again. As time goes by, people can see that you you look better. You start to look better, and you start start to speak more eloquently, and you start to behave in a in a different way. And that's not something you can hide. That's something that will make up. You know, if you're still drinking, you can't do those things. Do you think there's um? I I wonder if there's a, a kind of role for instinct here. You know, when someone is in active ad addiction, even if they're hiding it quite well. I think people who are close to them know there's something that's off, right? There's something yeah. wrong. Something, and, and sometimes people who are close to you don't want to admit it to themselves, you know, whether they're friends and they've got a kind of vested interest in keeping you drinking or with yeah. their partners or children, they just don't want to face it. And don't you think then the same thing is true in recovery, that if you, if you really kind of tune into your own kind of instinct, you know whether what you're seeing in this person is genuine or not. Yeah, and, and I and I do. I am asking that as a genuine question because I know that when I work with people, not not just um, recovering addicts, but really anybody, I kind of I can see the difference between someone talking a good game and saying, "Oh, this is what this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm going to do," and kind of feeling that actually is coming from a place of genuine change. And so I think there is there's kind of Perhaps part of what helps us to rebuild trust is us being able to listen to our own instinct about the people that we know well that are in recovery. And it's very easy to see. I'm a longer in recovery. I can see instantly if someone's um, either on their way to a lapse or, or have lapsed and are hiding it up. Mm. It's very, even, even if I'm not in the same room as them 
or if it just just by the by the the, the wording they use on texts on the group chat, right. for example, yeah. um, or if they come onto a Zoom meeting, you can see with their behaviour. It's, it's, it's so obvious, um, and even even if they if, if people do deny it at that point, you know, and sure enough, it will be you know a, a few days down the line they'd admit it. But my um, question, so- my question, I suppose my my question really around that is, do you think that is just a function of being an old hand at recovery, or do you think it also is something else about people's uh, kind of emotional intelligence? Yeah, I think it's a lot about the emotional intelligence. So I think it is. Um, it's the same. You know, you went back to you know you're talking about uh, rebuilding trust earlier on. You know, you can you can you you can trust your instincts if your partner is being unfaithful. Um, you know, in most cases, it's going to be correct. You mm-hmm. know, because there's, there's a behavioural change, uh, and I think the same happens with you know with with, with people with their, their relationship with with drink and drugs. Yeah. As soon as that uh, the, the the behaviour of that person is completely different. Whilst they're engaging with uh, in in that relationship or outside of it, mm. so it is, it is an instinct. Um, but the instinct grows much stronger. You know, the, the longer you spend in the recovery circle, um, as to who is going to. You know, I can pretty much tell from day one who's likely to be to, to stay the course and those that aren't. I'm wrong sometimes, um, but you get a you get a feel. Mm. Uh, you get a feel early on if people are just playing the game and are doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm. And if they're, if, I hope you don't have a bet like, on it. <laughs> that would be, be a bit. That would that wouldn't that wouldn't suit really, would it? Not really, it no. Suit. So only only sent me that link of that chap who'd lost a lot of money gambling. Um, I think it was from the Guardian, wasn't it? Was it a link yeah, from the Guardian? I think it was all the BBC. Uh, one of the two, I can't remember. Yeah, it was one of the two, and it, it just it's just so sad. It really is when you see yeah. that pattern um, repeating itself. Yeah. Uh, it's it's and and, and again it, it comes up in groups quite a lot, often as a as an addiction which is added on to the side of you know, their their um, substance abuse. But I think what's summing this all up really, um, you know, I've got in sort of bold bold letters at the bottom end of this this section of my notes is practice patience. It won't happen overnight. Get used to that fact, and that's that's the that's the issue a lot of addicts have because they want want stuff instantly, as I did. I wanted recovery instantly. And I wanted relationships to be instantly fixed. And you learn that that's just not the case. Put the work in, let time take its course, and things will have a much better chance of turning out better or for the yeah. best. Yeah, I wonder if um, recovering addicts feel that they are in some way alone in wanting everything immediately. Uh, you know, in, in my experience, anybody who struggled emotionally for any length of time, whether it be with addiction or anxiety or depression or whatever it is they want to get better right now when you recognize you've got a problem and you go and seek help for it you want it to go away immediately and I think one of the hardest things about recovering from anything is recognizing that there are very rarely light bulb moments there are very very rarely things that shift overnight you know uh things take a long time to to change and when you're at the start that usually feels too long you can't it's a slow burner um the same as as uh, the drift into addiction was pretty much a slow burner coming out of it is a slow burner as well and it's uh it takes time to walk up the hill mm. but it's um it is you're right you know day day one into when i went into detox 
you know, day one, I thought, this is it. I should be cured by this time next week. And I'll back out of society and away we go. Um, and and you just you just learn that's not the case. And they do drum it into you, you know, <clears throat> let it take its – it will happen at its own pace. Don't try and force these issues. So that's I, th- I thought it was, it was quite um, – so I hope that sort of knitted together, the, uh, the the two issues that I was trying to, to bring into the one podcast there. I expect I'll be able to knit it together, don't you? Well, yeah, you've got the right needles, haven't you? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Crochet the up about right. <laughs> Actually, talking of crochet, there's a lady who lives opposite who um, does a lot of crocheting. Sometimes okay. she'll crochet some uh, poppies around Remembrance Sunday and she'll put them on little gates and stuff around. And uh, for Easter, she's crocheted a a hat for the uh, red postbox. <laughs> it's got lots <laughs> okay. of little East, Easter bunnies and daffodils on it. <laughs> And I watch people every day come past it and stop and take pictures of it on their phone. It's really rather lovely. And it is rather as nice. a lovely segue, that's what I'm grateful for this week. Ah. And I mean, I'm not specifically grateful for a crocheted top to a pillar box because <laughs> that would be ridiculous. What I'm grateful for is that there are people around who want to do things for the good of the community that is kind of selfless. You know, she doesn't get anything from it. She just crochets it, sticks it on top of the letterbox, and that's that. But it brings so much kind of – you see the kids coming past, going to school, and they're lifted up, and they're pointing out all the little animals on there. It's a really lovely thing, and it's I think it's a joy that people, you know, have it in them to do that sort of thing. Yeah, isn't it called knit, knit bombing or something, or knitting bombing when they do that on uh, – Knit, knit stuff bombing. to go on, on. Yeah, knit bombing. It's, it's yeah when people knit stuff to go on public o- objects and yeah and really? or, uh, is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, it is because you see it in the town centre sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It, I, don't, it's I, don't, like, I don't really like. I don't really like, like that, that phrase. It's it's kind of pejorative. It is, isn't it? Really, it's when it's something obviously... negative. Yeah, but the, uh, knit bombing is normally it, it is you know covering up ugly. Um, sites, you know, in in the town centres where there's old rusty old poles and someone in it something up nice to go over the top of it. Why haven't you um, got crochet over your head then? <laughs> I got nip bombed at the, at the farmers market. <laughs> I reckon that old um, uh, seaweed pate guy, he got nip bombed, didn't he? <laughs> someone did a massive uh, massive crochet of a cod, covered his stall in it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The, the, the market is for the poor and without him there. So I'm, I'm not happy bad mouth him. Thank you very much. Oh, look at them. Just as I say that, someone's walking past and taking a picture of the uh, post box. Oh, I'll have to. Um, I'll have to have a look at that next time I'm around that area. Yeah. On my gratitude list this week, um, I've been working over at a, at a care home, um, and we've been redecorating. The, they call it a sunroom and the, and the lounge. And we've been working nights actually because it's just been easier, and people, are, some of the, some of the uh, uh, residents have, have gone off to bed. Um, but I'm very grateful for the lovely nurses there that have been running around, um, bringing us coffee and biscuits and, and chatting to us and keeping us keeping our spirits up into the wee hours of the morning around about you know sort of one and two o'clock when you're starting to feel a little bit jaded. There they are. And so I was really grateful. Although it was a, you know, I was going there as a place of work and obviously getting paid for it. It was lovely to have those people around. So I was very grateful for that for those those particular people. Do you think um, that one of the reasons that the staff there uh, bring you uh, drinks and biscuits is because they mistake you for a resident? <laughs> well, 
I think, yeah, I think they're just lining me up. They're, they're, you know, like the, you, you go to a funeral directors, you go in there and they measure you up, ready for when it's your turn. I think it was a bit like that. I think they were talking me out of room. Like, oh, yeah, he can go there. That'd be fine for him. <laughs> you want to start worrying if next week when you're there, they don't just bring you a cup of coffee, but they bring you a pair of s- slippers and a, <laughs> and a nightgown. <laughs> Well, come on, Mr. Be... Pankhurst, it's time to get back to your room now. <laughs> Lovely, shout it loud twice. Man. No uh, one's no, stealing no. your clothes, we'll go for a walk in the morning. <laughs> Actually, there was one lady that um, that she thought we were in her house, oh. and she said, and she said, get she was saying, I don't, I don't like what you're doing, that colour's horrible. I didn't ask you to come in here, I'm not paying you, you know, off you go. It's fantastic. <laughs> That's it. You're you're disturbing elderly uh, residents. It's disgraceful. Uh, well, well, people don't like change, and you know you put no. a different colour colour on a wall, and that um, brings great consternation to some people. Mm, mm. Anyway, what, color, what yeah. colour are you painting the walls, by the way? Well, the sunroom is obviously a sort of a yellowy sort of colour. Yeah. In the dining room, we had a dado row around the middle, so it's a sort of lighter green on top, darker green on the bottom. It looked very nice in the end. Yeah, don't, thank you for don't, asking. Don't do black, will you? Because that wouldn't go down very well. In a no, no. <laughs> I was going to put chalkboard paint up all around there so you could scribble on it as well. It'd be great. <laughs> so that's it, really, apart from my Spotify search. Oh, yeah. Uh, what did you put into it this week? Trust. Well, well there's a couple of things, really, because it, I veered off a bit. I mean, do you remember last week we were talking about, about a new band we're getting together called the Cardboard Engineers? Yeah, well. <laughs> so, I do remember that, although it didn't make the edit. Did it not? Oh, no. right, okay. Oh, oh, nice right. to know you listened to our episodes anyway. Uh, t- yeah, I didn't. Um, I, I remember it, us discussing it, but I didn't know it didn't make it. No, anyway, it didn't make it. You'd be pleased that there isn't a band called The Cardboard Engineers, so we're ready to go on that. Excellent, fantastic. We are, oh, well, I've, I've have you written any songs? Song. Have you? What's yeah, it called? Have, yeah. Uh, the first one is called Never Trust a Therapist, which I thought was nice. <laughs> <laughs> you okay with that? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> In fact, yeah, you got any you got any track titles? Uh, no, but I'll, I'll I'll definitely be penning one today. Yeah, okay. Uh, but the other one, I, I, the one I, I did put in was um, well, I put Mother in first of all. Guess what came up? Uh, my song Mother from my album. It came up. It was track nine on Is your it? very fine album, um, Halfway Home, if yeah. I remember rightly. That's a good track. That yeah. it's about my mum. It is about your mum. It is a great track. I think you, I think you used it a little bit on one of our one of our episodes, didn't I you? As an intro and outro. I probably did. I probably used it on bereavement. I would think. Yeah, I, you may well have done. Yeah. It is a good track. It is she a good died track. on bon- she died on bonfire night. It was ah, a bit selfish why. of her because I was in Brighton at the time on uh, just about to watch Stereophonics. Oh, were you? Yeah, I had to come uh, home. Ah, uh, that makes sense. And the lyrics about the Catherine wheels still turning in the lyrics. Yeah. I understand yes. that now. November the fifth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, when I was, when you put that in, when when Graham Landy comes up, um, the next person there is is <laughs> there's someone called Graham Candy, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I I like him better. I really do. He's my favourite now. He's great. He's a, he's a, he sounds a bit like um, you know Michael Rosenberg, who's the his passenger, isn't he? Which is his stage oh, yeah. name. Yeah, he I sounds very I much. Can't like, stand his voice. Can't stand. Oh, I like, I like, well, and John Candy sounds just like that. John, John Candy. John, John Candy? Candy. I thought he you said Graham like, Candy. Oh, sorry, Graham Candy. He sounds much like that. John Candy's <laughs> in planes, trays and automobiles. <laughs> he is. Yeah, I've got the candies mixed up there. <laughs> Uncle Buck. <laughs> <laughs> so you, yeah, you look a bit like him and you, and you, and you sound a bit like Graham Candy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't look anything like John Candy. No, you don't. No, no, not, 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 not uh, well, actually, no, we're thinking about it. 
anyway, I've um, you look like uh, John Noakes. John Noakes, bless him. Actually, you look more like Shep. <laughs> Get down. <laughs> I'll t- but I t- when, when I put trust in there, it just too many, too many things came up in Spotify. Oh yeah, I suppose it would do, wouldn't it? Because yeah. that would be a favourite topic for songs, wouldn't it? You know, the love lawn. Yeah, writing songs about broken trust and there is. Well, there was one called "The Myth of Trust" by Billy Bragg, which I already knew and really liked. Yeah, and there was one one uh, "Can't Trust Love" by Susie Quattro. Not a very yeah. one of the very well known tracks, but one of my early musical heroes. Did you find any? Um, did you find any death metal bands called? Black Trust no, or something. No, I did. I didn't. There was, there was way too much in there to look at. But there was, there was um, uh, Trust in You by The Offspring, which again one of my favourite bands. Great, a great not track. Trust, not Trust in You from Jungle Book. Oh, that was good, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, uh, what was that? It was the snake? What was the snake's name? Um, Khan. Was it? Is it Khan? Khan. I don't. I can't remember now. It's it the was. lion, wasn't it? I don't know. The lion. Was it know. the lion? Was it the lion? I don't know. I can't remember, mate. Someone will put us straight on that. Yeah, it doesn't matter, does it? Really, it's not going to uh, not put much of a wrinkle in my day, mate. No, we're kind of dripping on a bit now, aren't we? Well, you cut this lot out, won't you? No, I shouldn't think so. It'd be more interesting <laughs> than most of the stuff that you've been talking about. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was quite balanced what we said today. I'm feeling happier than last week's episode. Well, good. Have you got uh, what? Have you, what you what are you roasting today for your Sunday dinner? Uh, well, um, well, it's going to be chicken day today. Chicken day, um, right. okay, good. Yeah, yeah, it was going last week, and um, yeah. I'm about, but I've got a chicken chicken to be going on today. What about yourself? I might make something with aubergines. Okay, <laughs> far out, dude. Yeah, don't, that's that's <laughs> very outdated. Thinking that that's hippie food. Thank you very much. It is. It is very outdated. No, I, I apologise. Might do some lentils and chickpeas. Well, I'm not a hippie at all because I'm going to be sitting there with some chili chai with turmeric tea. <laughs> have you got some sandals that you can wear while you're drinking <laughs> yeah the soft cheesecloth shirt the lot it's all, it's all ready <laughs> yeah all right okay well uh enjoy your chilli chai turmeric tea and your chicken oh well oh, thank you well. well you could probably uh, make yeah. quite a nice marinade out of that tea for your chicken <laughs> <laughs> I've, i'm done on that now Thank you. Let me let me know if after drinking it you have any more dreams about floating. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping it's not a hallucinatory. I'm sure it's not. <laughs> All right. See you later. All right, man. See you later. Bye. Bye. Sideways was created by Graham Landy and Martin Pankhurst. If you want to read more about our work or sort through the extensive archive of past episodes, just visit GrahamLandyWellbeing.co.uk forward slash sideways dash podcast you can follow us on twitter or facebook or instagram at sideways podcast and you can email us if you have a question or if there's something you'd like us to cover but most of all we want to tell you how grateful we are that you come and listen and we ask that if you've enjoyed what you've heard that you spread the word and we'll see you next week